Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. You are already aware, if you've been following this show, that I really love to go out there and collect inspiring people and inspiring stories. And some of those people happen to be authors who are sharing their stories, either uh, you know, fiction or, or uh, through through their autobiographies or whatever it is they're putting out there. But this idea of stories has really been an important one for me as I go out there and gather these inspiring stories. And I found somebody, I I kind of found her a long time ago, actually. Annette, I think I knew you when you were a little kid. Probably about 11 or 12. About 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. years old. And I've watched watched this person just blossom into a a person who is making a difference in this world. And I think you probably were at 11 or 12 too, but just at a, a different <laughs> level, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this you. is Annette Lyon. And Annette is an author. She's published several books, the most recent of which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, I used to know her as Annette Luthi. That's right. And I think some of your books carry the name Annette Luthi Lyon. At least on the bio page. On the I, bio I, page. Yeah, because yeah. you still claim your Luthi roots, don't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. I, I, and that's what actually, ironically, why I did not give my daughters middle names, because I wanted them to have the lion they name. Can they can carry that, that on, too, to... just the way I carry on Luthi. That's right. And our connection goes back to a time when I was living in Finland, and I was serving as a missionary for my church, and your parents were mm-hmm. the ones who were presiding over that mission. And you were one of my dad's assistants, and so I got to know and you I, a lot better than many of the others. I got to know the there. fam a little bit yeah. because I was right there. So in, in some ways, you're like a big brother to me at the time. It was great. So it's yeah. kind of neat to to see that, well, and you and I were commenting just the other day that that life accelerates. Oh, man, yes. Oh, and and you see my son over here who's running the podcast, and he's about the size I was when you first met me. And uh huh. And I have my second child is the age I was when I knew you, so it's a little unnerving. So it just goes like crazy. And <laughs> yeah. I, I've enjoyed those commercials on TV yeah. that says life comes at you fast. Yeah. And uh, wow, it oh, really it does. does. It really does. It really does. And it's just a pleasure for me to welcome you to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's just fun to have you here. And and you've got a story that I want to help you share. Yeah. And it's it's not the story in your books, although those are cool too. <laughs> I think so. But it's the story behind the books. It's the story about Annette Lyon. And what it is that, well, the journey you've been on. And you've got a blog where you talk about this. Mm-hmm. You didn't just wake up one day and think, hey, I got nothing else to do. I think I'm going to go write a book. Oh, no, no, no. In fact, I was already writing in about second grade. It was something I've always known I Mm -hmm. wanted to do. It was very deliberate. So let's put this together a little bit. 
you have, you have, as you just shared, you have always had an interest in writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been a passion Always. or a desire or a dream of yours forever, mm-hmm. as long as you can remember. Pretty much, yeah. As long as you've known English. Yeah, I remember, it was Beverly Cleary's The Mouse and the Motorcycle that got me going. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so my first story was about a mouse. And I think most of us can relate to mm-hmm. that one. Yep. Wow. Okay, so I know a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people. You've probably heard this yourself. As people get to know you and they say, oh, I wish I could write a book or I, it, it would oh, be yeah. so nice if I had the time to do that. Or another one is, oh, someday I plan to write a book when my kids are all grown up. Right. Yeah, I get when, that a lot. When it's convenient. Uh-huh. And the time words. just lands in their lap magically. So I would yeah. love to just turn the mic over to you for a little bit to introduce us to this journey that you've been on. And it started as a child. Mm-hmm. Talk to us just a little bit and share... What's behind all of this? Kind of, well, it's, it's, it is, I could go on and on for hours, but I won't. The basic gist is, you know, I've, like I, you said, I've always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I took creative writing classes in high school and in college, and, and I was writing stuff with a, a good friend of mine. We co-authored a screenplay for a, a class, and then we wrote a novel together. And, mm-hmm. and then I got married, and I was telling my husband about it. Someday I'm going to be published, and someday I will have a book out. And, oh, you were in someday land, huh? Well, yeah, because I was writing, but you know, it, it's, well, at that point, I, it wasn't making, taking the action to make it happen beyond that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, my husband actually said, well, do you know how to get published? And do you, have you ever submitted something? And um, no. <laughs> and how do you expect to ever be published? Okay, point taken. And at that point, he gave me a challenge. And, you know, so I can thank him to a great extent for me actually taking those first steps. He said, mm-hmm. okay, I challenge you by this, by Monday, you must have your first things ever submitted in the mail. And I was working on a short story mm-hmm. and I thought, okay. I, and so I was hurrying and revising and I gave it to my sister for some feedback. And, and mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll mail it off by Monday. I'll make final changes over the weekend. And then I realized Monday was Labor Day. And the post office was closed. And I, so I was bargaining for one extra day with my husband. And he says, no, that's our deal. We had, we had a deal. The commitment. And I was, oh, dang. Mm. So I, I scrambled and I got it mailed off on Saturday. But even then, I kind of knew that that short story didn't really fit the publication I was sending it to. But to me, it was still important to make, make a step, make that, that Just first to do, to do it. And sure enough, I collected my first yeah. rejection slip. But I almost celebrated because I thought this Sweet. is my. I said this is my first step toward however many steps it will take to get published. And because rejection is just part of the process, so I consider that was Labor Day weekend of 1994. And after that, I started going to workshops to learn the publishing industry. What do you? What is a query letter? And and how how do you find out about publishers and editors and what they want? And how do you approach them? Mm. And what what do all these things mean? And so I started. Querying magazines and publishers and and so okay, I was time yeah. out in it. Yes, <laughs> time out. Here's the thing: yeah. you just breezed over something that is huge. Okay, huge. You got your first rejection yeah. letter. Yeah, isn't this the thing that most people fear? It's yeah. like one of the thing that keeps them from moving forward is their fear of fear of rejection. Rejection. Oh, absolutely. And I know some writers who purposely do things; they'll burn their rejection letters. Or I, I know a friend who she'll cut them up in little tiny pieces and throw them into the, the garbage disposal and watch them go down. And and whatever. Mm. For me, I keep them in a file because for me, it's yeah. fun to see to see something that was rejected that eventually got published. Mm-hmm. And I look and look at that letter and kind of laugh and go, ha, 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 I did it anyway. <laughs> I did it anyway. But you go, well, that's you what did. you have to do as a writer, especially. You have to go in knowing 
that not everything you do will be accepted by everyone and it's not personal. Sometimes what you submit to some, you know, an editor can say, this is great. It's not for our house or this mm-hmm. magazine article you did well, but it's not something that's, we, we just published something like it or whatever. Sure. So it's not necessarily a reflection of your skill. It's not a personal attack, but yeah, rejection is part of the process. It's not easy and it gets harder yes. when it's a book instead of a short story. Okay. Now this is part of the process. You and I both know a lot of authors. Oh yeah. I know many. Do you know any authors who have not been rejected at some point no I, I know some authors that have been lucky enough to get accepted their first shot but then down the road they'll end up yeah. with other rejections down the road it's, oh and yeah i'm it's, not it's sure that's everyone. the best way to start out actually in fact no i've actually seen authors who they take it for granted mm-hmm. and and then when they do run into a rejection or a speed bump of some kind it devastates them it's they harder start to crack. for them to handle it. and so even, it took me eight years to get my first book out and so I, I don't take it for granted one second. And when I do mm-hmm. get those rejections, I don't think they shatter me as much as others probably. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I relish the moments. I can see my book and go, yeah, I earned that. So if it's part of the process, and if any of you listeners are out there thinking, okay, I might actually take some steps and write that <laughs> book, oh, you yeah. know, because some of, some of you are thinking that you have a book. I hope so. And, and it, I'm one of thing. those people. Good. I haven't published my book yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. So that's why I've called you back into my life, you know, so so I can get inspired here. But here's the thing about the rejection. If it is part of the process, then get busy collecting it. Exactly. That's why I have my file. And I still have that very first one for that very reason. Because I I knew it was almost like a paving stone. It was the first Mm -hmm. step. And Mm -hmm. however many steps there were, I took one. I took one, and then the second, and then the third, and however many between are between me and success, right. just start knocking them off. And if it takes eight years to publish your first book, when do you want to start that eight years? Yeah, well, the eight years are going to pass no matter what you do. That's so at right. the end of them, you may as well have done the work, mm-hmm. because if you haven't, then you're still where you were before. And now you can so. walk into the bookstore and you can select books from a number of authors, including including myself yourself. Yeah, and that's that's been fun, especially to show my kids because when yeah. they finally got to see my name on a book, they went, "Oh, mom doesn't just type a lot." <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now I'm cool, especially because I know some of their favorite writers yeah. personally. That that's actually more cool than the fact that I wrote my own books. Right. Yeah. Because they still see you as just mom. Although that was one fascinating thing is just this last school year, my son, who was in ninth grade, he had to read a historical novel for his English class. Mm-hmm. And so I picked him up from school one day and he says, I guess I should read one of your books because four of mine are historical. And my gut reaction was, oh, no, he's 14. He's not my target audience. And right. he came and he read it, laughed, and suddenly he understood a piece of mom that he never understood before. And it's been great. Wow. And that's one of those sweet little bonuses that you get along right. the way. Right, yeah. We're going to continue this conversation in just a few minutes. Thank you for joining me for the Live on Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power Teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. 
feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. So, Annette, as we're talking about this journey that you've had, uh, there's there's all kinds of interesting ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And I think from the outside, sometimes people will look at someone who's already got something that they want, mm-hmm. and they'll think, oh, it's so easy for them. They are so lucky. This, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, oh, you've yeah. been there before. Oh, yeah. I've been on both sides of that. And. Right. And now you've got a perspective that is different from what you had before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was noticing on your blog, as you were sharing some of this journey, you compared it to giving birth and having children. And maybe that analogy gets used a lot, but talk just a little bit about what some of your insights are related to that. Yeah, well, I think I have a slightly different take on it to some extent because, yeah, you, as a writer, you say, oh, well, you know, each book is my baby and that kind of thing. And it is scary because, you, you know, you, you put your heart out there and if it gets rejected, it's so like, like someone saying, oh, your baby's ugly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, being on the flip side of a lot of writers or aspiring writers assume that once you have that contract, once you've got that book on the shelf that you've made it and your whole life is unicorns and ponies and rainbows and they don't realize that that's actually just the beginning of a new journey and a new a new set of challenges and new new mountains to climb and mm-hmm. and all of that and you know one of my writer friends says is that she lives in if only land where i think they'll oh, be happy no. if only i reach this and then she reaches that and realizes well, mm. well, okay, well, I had one book published, but I actually want to, to have five book pu- books published. Or what if I want to get on the bestseller list of this particular, whatever it is, there's mm-hmm. always something else to grab for. So I've had some people come to me and say, well, you know, aren't you satisfied with this or that? So many people would be so thrilled to have what you have and, and don't ever complain about this or that or the other. And, mm-hmm. and what it comes down to is, you know, I, like I said, it took eight years to get published. I don't take it for granted at all. I'm thrilled with where I'm, I'm standing at the top of a mountain peak. Many people would love to be at and the view is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That said, it doesn't mean that there aren't new hurdles and new challenges. And, and, um, and so that's, I compared it to motherhood right. in that sense because there's a woman I knew who, um, she was infertile for many, many years. And anytime, anytime she heard mothers complaining about the potty training or their 
crayon on the walls or whatever, you know, sleepless yes. nights. She would just kind of just, you could just tell that she was really annoyed because she would give anything to be washing that crayon off the to wall. To have that problem. To have that experience, yeah, and to be sure. dealing with those things. And then she later ended up having quadruplets. And wow. Yeah, and I had the sneaking suspicion that, you know what, even though she wanted those children and would treasure them above all else, I had a sneaking suspicion that she had her sleepless nights and wished so badly she could get some rest. And, and maybe mm-hmm. she complained and whined a couple of times. And I, I imagine potty training four boys all at once must have been really interesting. So I compared it to that where, you know, because what you want so desperately is one thing. And you can get it and love it and cherish it and be so grateful for it. But that doesn't mean the journey is over and the, the problems go away. And that's very much mm-hmm. how book publishing is, too. This, this I'll be happy when... Yeah. Kind of an attitude. That's no way to live, is it? Yeah. Well, you know, apparently it is a way to live. A lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, bad, a good but way to live. But it has a it. predictable outcome, right. and that outcome is frustration and disappointment. Dis- discontent. And, and yeah. discontent. Exactly. Now, I'm a fan of discontent to the extent that it motivates you to go create something. Create action, right. To do something. When you experience discontent, you always have a choice. Mm-hmm. And that choice is, am I going to be a victim or am I going to be an agent? Right. And the victim will sit around blaming and, you know, wishing things were different. And the agent will say, huh, well, if not this, then what? Right. What's my next step? What's my next step? What can I create? Right. What can I make from the stuff that has shown up in my life? And I think this was triggered by some comments that you got on your blog. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you were frustrated about some deadline or some... Whatever it was. Yeah. 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 and 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 people would see that and say, "Hey, at least you have a publisher and a yeah, contract." At least you have a book coming out, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. the same thing that you shared with this mother, who said, mm-hmm. "Well, you, at least you have a child." Mm-hmm. And I get people in my office all the time who are having frustrations with their children. That's oh, not exactly. A new thing for me. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, they would never trade their children for, for anything. anything. Right. And the view from here is fantastic. Exactly. Like you yeah. said. Well, and, and then I've seen, I've seen other mothers who say, "Oh, well." You don't have teenagers. You don't know how, how difficult it is and, or whatever it is. It's like comparing yourself to someone else's problems, you don't mm-hmm. know what they're going through and it's useless. Everyone has their own, their own wagon that they're pulling. So just mm-hmm. take yours and move on. You know, I shared, uh, shared a little thought on my blog not too long ago as I received some feedback from someone who said, well, you are so lucky to have a job that you love. <laughs> as if that had just happened <laughs> yeah i was reading uh, mm. a book called when turtles fly it's by nikki stone who's mm. an olympic gold medalist and she shared a bunch of stories about successful olympians and other people and and uh, she had a similar comment she said i don't see how this is luck i created this yeah i made this happen i chose this right and, and that's what you've done. It's been, yeah, a long road, but it's very deliberate, mm-hmm. even to things to the point of, I will write 2,000 words today. I mm-hmm. will. Well, and, and that was one thing is that I, I've known some aspiring writers who will set goals that they have no control over. I'll be published mm. by the time I am 30, or I will, or whatever it is. But that, those decisions are in someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. But you can say, I will finish this manuscript by April. I will revise it by August, and I will submit it to this many people by this point. Those are things you have control over. Yes. So then that, that way the frustration level is different because you can knock off your own goals and your own steps that you personally mm-hmm. have accomplished. So today I wrote 2,000 words, or I finished this chapter, or I, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And that's something that then, then you feel good about no matter what somebody, somebody else does to you. Right. That's a real key to success, I think, S- setting the goals in the areas of what you control mm-hmm. and be very clear about what you do and what you don't. 
And that's really tricky in publishing too, because Mm -hmm. it feels so personal when you do get rejections and when you do run into brick walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering what, um, well, I, I think I cut you off earlier as you were sharing this journey that <laughs> yeah. you went through because I got so so enamored with that rejection the idea. rejection issue, yeah. A, a huge issue. Yeah. Um, but I cut you off, too, and you were just going on to, to share a little bit more about how once you got that first rejection, mm-hmm. it's like you were really playing the game now. Yeah, that's when I got, I consider I got serious about the game, yeah. This became, this became more than a someday thing yeah, for you. This will happen at some point and I'm going to make it happen. So then you embarked on an intentional process mm-hmm. to create for yourself the experiences and to put together the teams and the resources and the knowledge base and everything else that, that would be necessary for you to move forward with purpose. Right. What else would you like to share about that part of the process? I consider, I call it my apprenticeship because I had to, mm. I really had to learn the craft as best I could. I started going to writing conferences. I subscribed to Writer's Digest magazine. My mm-hmm. subscription still has not lapsed and it never will. Mm-hmm. I started buying uh, writers, you know, writing books that were about write, the writing process. Um, mm-hmm. I, I joined the League of Utah Writers, went to monthly meetings. I was on the board of our chapter for three years and learning to network with other people and meet other writers. And I, I joined a critique group. Um, and then, which was the best thing I ever did. Cause that was absolutely mm. terrifying to the first eight months I was in the group. I'd read my work aloud and my heart would be in my throat and I would be shaking and, and getting that feedback, you know, live in front of your face was terrifying. But now I've been in that group for over 10 years and we can shred each other's work and yet nobody's feelings are hurt because we all know we're there. We're, we're such good friends. I trust them with my mm-hmm. life. And now we started out as all aspiring writers. All of us are now published several times over. We all have, uh, many of us have won awards. I mean, and it's because we all have worked together oh, specifically, we, meeting at least twice a month, if not weekly, to make that happen. So the thing I want to point out about this is it's not about writing. I no. mean, for you it is. For me it is, yeah. Because but, that's yeah. the particular content that, that you do. Right. Okay, but the process here is to create experiences for yourself in which you begin to network with others. You call it that your apprenticeship. Huge. Right. Who are you going to learn from? Yeah, you know? yeah. Going, I had to learn from yeah, going to conferences and learning from people who had already been there, and That's even, right. even in, members of my critique group were huge. As I, I learned from them, and they learned just watching each other, one person critique another person, and learning mm-hmm. how to give feedback and take feedback. That was that was huge. Learning, reading books on all of those things. You right. know, I had to find mentors and, and learn from them. Absolutely. So find. Find the people who are already playing this game. Mm-hmm. Whatever your game is, you know, if it's writing, I uh, did an interview several months ago with, with a dear friend of mine who's a master in Taekwondo. Okay, different game from writing, but it's the same, same concept. Same principle, absolutely. Find the masters. Allow yourself to be humble enough to learn from them because obviously they know something you don't. Mm-hmm. Especially if they've already accomplished some things. Right. And they, you can learn, do things, not make the same mistakes <laughs> that they did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least put some context around those mistakes mm-hmm. as you make them. Right, right. And, and then begin to network and get with other people who are also playing this game. Mm-hmm. Provide support, receive support. Right. These are the principles that are going to assist anyone, whatever your game is. 
And, the, you know, the, the support network that I have now, I'm part of was of, of, a, of a writer's guild that's more than 100 members strong now. And some mm-hmm. of my best friends in the world are in that group. And they support me. And we cheer each other on and cry with each other. And it's mm-hmm. been the best thing for me. For sure. Excellent. We got more fun stuff coming. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Sometimes a million-dollar idea has been right by you your entire life. For two London-based entrepreneurs, the idea was right on their feet. What do you get when you cross a sticker and a sneaker? The answer is a big idea that is taking off in Europe. The founders of a UK company called Sneak Art are allowing teenagers to design their own shoes by selling them stickers that decoratively redefine the style of the shoe. They have stickers that fit just about any style of shoe and the process is simple. Tapping into the natural desire that most teenagers have to stand out this idea is stepping up to the challenge. Sneak art is becoming a new trend in fashion and is showing once again that a simple and successful idea could be stuck on anyone. Congratulations to the Sneak Art Company for a high-stepping, fast-sticking idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. I thought of it a moment In a time of drastic change, it is the learners who inherit the future. The learned usually find themselves equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Eric Hoffer. So I've considered on a couple of my shows that I had to just leave the mics rolling during the breaks because <laughs> we come up with some pretty good stuff. You know what? You're describing a process that exactly mirrors what I have heard from so many successful people playing so many different games. Mm-hmm. And the principles are, are I was going to say surprisingly, but it doesn't even surprise me anymore, consistent. They're consistent, absolutely. Yeah, I believe that. And the context just doesn't matter that much. And one of the things you identified, as you described getting involved with these networks and and gathering some mentors and coaches who could actually teach you this game, mm-hmm. which you already loved, you were just you were still a white belt, right. as my Taekwondo friend said. Yeah. Yep. And you gotta do all the white belt stuff in order to move up. Right. And some of the things you get to do terrify you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Talk about the role of facing your fears. Oh, heavens. <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, some of the, my, I remember some of my greatest fears was when I first joined that critique group. Um, breathing my work out loud absolutely was terrifying. I just, you know, I, it took me months to reach the point where I could, I could read out loud without my voice shaking and my whole, mm-hmm. you know, my whole body just trembling and my heart racing in my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, that was probably one of the biggest things. And also p- just putting your, your work out there f- for rejection, because most likely it will be rejected first before you ever get accepted. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely terrifying. But at the same time, when you have faced those fears and come out on the other side and you're stronger and you're better and you've learned, you're no longer that white belt. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I remember recently opening up an old file of something I had worked on probably 15 years ago. I thought was good at the time. I read it and just cringed. And my gut reaction was just, oh, I was such a horrible writer. And then I stopped and went, wait. I can recognize what is wrong because of how much I have grown over mm-hmm. all these years. You know, and I think that's one thing a lot of people don't, writers and other people playing whatever games, as you said, don't recognize is you do have to put in that time that mm-hmm. you, you, you almost, some people expect success out of the, out of the gate, not realizing that, you know, doctors have to spend years and years and years in school and then they're licensed. Mm-hmm. So if you put the same amount of work you, into, into whatever game you're doing, then mm-hmm. you can have that success. It's not going to happen overnight. So these two things go hand in hand, really. There's a work ethic. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Annette? This is a natural law. Mm-hmm. It's a law of physics. Yeah. That work has to happen to change things from one state to another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, yeah. Phys- in, it's an Antonian whatever. In physics, yeah. that's the definition yeah. of work. It's the, it is. the yeah, force that's required that. to move something from one state to another. And you can't do it without that work. And that goes hand in hand with facing things that will terrify you. The number one barrier to people's success and prosperity in this world Mm -hmm. is fear. Oh, I believe that. You believe that? And sometimes even the fear of success. I know some people are so afraid of succeeding that they don't act. And as a writer myself, even once I've got that book published, then I'm expected to go promote it. And so being, mm-hmm. having a book signing where that sounds like really fun, but people walk in the store and they deliberately walk the other direction because they don't want to talk to you. So book mm-hmm. signing is, used to be really terrifying. When I would be asked to speak at events, mm-hmm. that would be because writing you're in your own little bubble by your keyboard and it's, it's all by yourself and it's this happy little world that you've created. And suddenly you have to leave and dress up and, and talk to the huge groups. That's completely terrifying or it used to be until you can work past that. So there's, there's always mm-hmm. new fears, but you can't progress unless you face them you know what this social aspect let's just go there for a minute Mm -hmm. because what whatever your passion is and for you and edits writing and sharing stories that inspire people in different ways whatever your passion is obviously has some benefit to you personally oh absolutely that's why you love to do it One of the keys, though, to succeeding is doing what you love for those who love what you do. And that's not everybody. <laughs> you notice no. that? Yeah. In fact, it's not even most of the people. Right. Yeah. You, so this book signing idea. Mm-hmm. You go out there and you're saying, hey, everybody, here I am. And here's my baby. Yeah, I think if you fucking use car salesman, please buy my book. Please, please. Yeah. Now, isn't it also true that some people will come to your book signing and they're just starstruck? 
it took years for to reach that point, to be the, honest, because because you weren't a star it. before then. I wasn't then. a star, I but it, I remember. I actually remember the exact book signing I was at, and which store I was in, and everything. When I had these, I have these little business cards that I'll mm-hmm. hand out to people, customers, and give them a one or two sentence little blurb. Here's my book, blah blah blah, and then I'll walk away so they don't feel pressured. And I remember the first time ever I handed over a card, and they said, "Oh yeah, I've read all your books. I love them." And I stared at them and went. I seriously wanted to go, you're kidding, right? Can I come to your house and see your bookshelf? No way. Because I, 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 it was so bizarre. I had done all this work and finally someone mm-hmm. knew who I was. I didn't, I, it's that, and it's been so fun since. To, every so often I'll still get that. Like, wow, I love all your books. So I didn't realize that that was you, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it is. And it's, it's, that's, it, it feels really good, <laughs> to be honest, to finally reach that point. Well, yeah. yeah. That's the part that you love. You don't love the part about people who don't like your stuff. Yeah, getting bad reviews and that kind of thing. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who aren't interested or the people who don't want to... But you know what? They're not the ones that you're writing for. You're right. Yeah, they're not. Truly. Yeah. And if you're afraid of their opinions, then you're not going to write for the people who really value what you do. Yeah, it paralyzes you if you think too far into, Mm -hmm. well, will I please this person or that person? Or what will this person think of it? In fact, my new book does go into some, some pretty you know, uncomfortable territory as far as life problems. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a moment or two where I thought, I wonder if this will hurt someone's feelings because I deal with a similar topic that they might be struggling with in their life. Or, And then I had to say, no, I stop. I need to write this honestly and genuinely as my characters would experience it, not mm-hmm. fear what anyone else will, th- will think or, or, or whatever. And yeah. the result has been a much more powerful book, I think, than would have been had I allowed myself to be paralyzed. You know, Along those lines, Annette, I have found that people are really craving authenticity. Mm-hmm. They don't want the superficial, phony stuff. Right, yeah. But they want something it's... that really speaks to them right. at, a, at a true, authentic, genuine level. Definitely. Uh, and that's risky. It is. But, and, and that's mm-hmm. ironically, this is, you know, Band of Sisters is definitely my most um, real book in that sense. Mm-hmm. And which again, was scary because I had never written anything like it. Most of my other books are much happier. Uh, and, and this was, a sc- in that way it was, it was scary to write. I, did, I had no idea what the response would be. But so mm-hmm. many people have said that very thing. It is so authentic. It is real. Mm-hmm. And they said, thank you for, for doing that, even if I cried. So, so you've introduced it. Let's talk bit. about, <laughs> this is your most recent book. And this was just published. In March. In March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew yeah. it was... Uh, Within about a month or two. Mm-hmm. And it's called Band of Sisters. Now, this is a novel which is based on, well, you share it's, it. It's, the idea is it's, it's about five women whose husbands are all deployed together in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so the husband's idea, the old, there's a, a lieutenant colonel whose his wife is one of them. She's the oldest. She's an empty nester grandmother. And he's, he says, would you kind of take care of these four other women? Because deployment's tough and you know that. And so get together and you know, support one another. And she's like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they get together weekly for these lunches. And at first, it's, that's what it starts out as, is, well, our husbands know each other, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, even though one is 55 and another one is 20 and they range in between and they all have different problems and life circumstances, mm-hmm. they turn into this great support network and it really is I had my critique group get mad at me when I kept calling it my deployment book because they said no this is really about the power of women friendships mm-hmm. and that's really what it boils down to mm-hmm. so yeah and and so the context of this is that their husbands have been deployed to to Afghanistan mm-hmm. or Iraq yeah. or somewhere right and uh, and that's what gives them the reason 
to, to be, network with each exactly, other. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's that, and, and some, the very first um, chapter is about a woman who's hesitant to even go into that first lunch mm-hmm. and she almost doesn't. And, but then at the end, she, you know, she starts realizing that, and all of them realize that, you know, you, you, you may not have seen the so-and-so or so-and-so as, as a potential friend and support, but guess mm-hmm. what? There are, you can find those mentors and those supports and strengths and surprising places. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too how we approach things like that, and and I think we can use the uh, the content of your book to uh, to talk about this other issue. And you and I chatted briefly about mm-hmm. this: how we always want to compare, mm-hmm. or we show up thinking that everybody's judging us, or and and usually that's because we're judging them. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so we assume that they must be judging us too. And mm-hmm. and on the surface, you know, that's that's what creates some of the fears or the hesitancies for people to actually get together and network. Right, because they're assuming support for each other. other assumptions exist where mm-hmm. they may not, yeah. And so you've taken this on in your book. Mm-hmm. And and I think illustrated how that happens. Very much, as yeah. these As these women come together and ultimately support each other but at first they've got all of those typical fears mm-hmm. and yeah and they'll, they'll judge one like one person brenda in particular will look at nora and say oh nora's all put together she would have she'd freak out if she saw my kitchen in the end we see nora's side of the of the, the, the picture and realize her life isn't a bowl of cherries either and she doesn't mm-hmm. have it together like everyone assumes so oh. yeah it's comparison is comparison's not a good thing everybody's got their package everybody does <laughs> We can probably do something with that, Annette. We'll come right back to that. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. I like the variety of of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. You know, in today's world, people have become much more conscious of their health and wellness. Finding new and effective ways to combat the effects of disease, aging, and poor nutrition is more important than it ever has been as we look to improve our own life and the lives of those we love. Hi, I'm Micah Kagi, and a few short years ago, I discovered a company called Kayani. Kayani is a rapidly growing nutritional supplement company that is marketing in over 20 countries. Kayani's products combine the nutritional benefits of well-known superfoods with Nobel Prize-winning research and breakthrough science. Not only does Kayani help to improve health and wellness of families, 
but through the amazing business opportunity that it offers, people like me have been able to create financial freedom. Kayani has the power to change your life, regardless of where you are or what your needs may be. Whether you are new to network marketing or a seasoned veteran, you will find that Kayani has what you've been looking for. A well-financed, growing company with proven management to generate immediate income and the potential to allow normal people like you and I to succeed if we are willing to put forth the time and effort. Kayani is a proud sponsor of Live On Purpose Radio. To learn more or to join our exciting team, please visit the website, drpaul.kayani.net. That's D-R-P-A-U-L dot K-Y-A-N-I dot net. (laughs) Having fun at Live on Purpose Radio today. You know, Annette, we've got one more segment left. I think there's one piece of your journey that we haven't really talked about enough yet. What's that? And that is the success. Ah. <laughs> because there was a time when you've got your little file of rejection letters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got some that look a little different than that too. Yep. Talk about mm-hmm. what that was like for you, what it, what it did for you, because I'm sure that you had to go through some periods of, ah, I'm just not sure I can keep going. Oh, yeah. You know, ready to give up, kind of pushing through the darkness. Yeah, if someone had told thing. me it was going to be eight, eight years, that might have been enough to say, never mind. <laughs> but, mm, if you didn't um, know. If I had huh? known in advance. I, on the other hand, I was such a passion, I don't know if I really would have stopped. But there was one point I, had, I submitted, um, there's a League of Utah Writers that has a contest, a statewide contest every year. And two years in a row, I got second place in the novel category. And so I was, think- I was feeling pretty good about myself. So mm-hmm. the next year, I, I entered again, and I did not even get an honorable mention. And the judge just tore my work apart. And every possible bad cliche about writing. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. And might as well have said, do you speak English? Because it was so bad. And the only positive mm. the judge said was, at least you have some perseverance because you completed a full manuscript. But I, this is my seventh manuscript I had completed, and I had published a few articles by this point. So I knew I wasn't a complete amateur, but that, those comments were so devastating at that point that I, I completely fell apart. I, I didn't write for two months. I thought, I can't do this. Who am I kidding? I, mm. I'm so, you know, because at that point, I, I thought I was going to succeed, and then I got slapped down so hard. Um, and that was the first time, first time in our entire marriage that it was not Valentine's Day or anniversary that my husband sent me flowers because I was completely oh. just completely having he's a breakdown. Trying to rescue you from yeah, somewhere. He's a, yeah, and he's like, you can't stop. You'll regret it forever if you do. And okay, fine, you're right. So I picked myself up and I thought, okay, something is wrong with this book. I don't know what, but there's something wrong. And it can't be as bad as the judge said, but there's something wrong. So mm-hmm. I took another look at it and um, some hard revisions and looking at it and it's just surgery on it and then I had this aha moment when I realized one point in the story where I took a wrong turn and I fixed that and um and then you know there were other things I submitted that book and that was my first book accepted um mm. and, but and that was huge and there were some other, other other little you know two speed bumps along the way to that point but when I got that phone call from the editor welcoming me aboard I just about flew through the roof. I think my voice was nice and calm. Oh, thank you. That's so wonderful. Thank you for calling. And then I hung up and screamed and I ran up the stairs. My husband was still home. He was going in late to work that day. And I burst into tears and told him I got in the call. And at that point I had a two-year-old daughter and she was like freaking out because mom's crying. And I'm like, I'm "I'm happy. And she couldn't understand why there's tears and mommy's happy. What? 
So my husband yeah. called his manager and said, I'm not coming into work. I'm taking my wife out to lunch. And so we celebrated and that was fun. Oh, wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, the, the successes are, are huge. And I don't, I never get tired of it because every city, every time you do submit a book, you don't know how the public will receive it. Or maybe my publisher won't want this one or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then you get, you do get that acceptance or you see the, your, your cover for the first time with the wrapper of your baby. And, mm-hmm. and that's a, a huge moment. And, um, and then you'll get reader emails that say, you know, this book affected me in this way, or this one changed my life in this fashion or, or whatever. And those are just, I, I seriously, I print every one of those off and put, stick them in a binder for when I have those down days, I can open it up and, re- and reread that, Remind you know what, I, I actually have had some sex and I, success and I've, I've impacted someone's life for the better. And I've, I've mm-hmm. reached those people who are my audience, who do care, that I'm, who the ones I am writing for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that audience is increasing. I'm finding more and more people that that net is getting spread wider. And, I'm, and so that is, that's exciting. And so when I, you know, I won the best of state, the medal for fiction a couple of years ago, and I was a Whitney award finalist. And mm-hmm. anytime you get those kind of those, those moments of success, I, I savor those. Absolutely. They're huge. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> just as I'm to make a comment, I cough. <laughs> I'm just thinking that those little paydays. Yeah or what remind you of your purpose and why you're doing this in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then you keep going, but you already love it. So that's enough reason to do it. Yeah. But as you start to do what you love for the people who love what you do, and then they start telling other people who they know would love what you do too. That's the power of networking. Absolutely. And you begin to, you begin to get a following. Is yeah, this a little weird for you? It is. It? it is. It is. It's very odd to to realize I do have a following. People say, "Oh, I, I yeah, I, I'm familiar with your name." Really? No. Are you serious? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, I read your book. How do I know you? No way. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. it's exciting that there's a following. Yeah. I read a book that's... recently by Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. And it's called Tribes, and uh, I'd actually recommend that to you. I have to it's, look it up. It, uh, he's not a high level writer like you are, oh, but. But he has a heck of a following, and mm-hmm. and he talks about this um, this concept of creating creating a tribe. Well, your tribe mm-hmm. already exists; they're just out there wandering around without a leader. And when you them. show up and yeah. share your gifts, and you become that person that they can follow, whether mm-hmm. it's through your literature or through the gifts that you uniquely have to share, whatever it is, as people start sharing their gifts. And their tribe shows up to follow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that might sound a little weird, but this is absolutely no, what's happening. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, well, yeah, that, that rings true. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's some me. of you listeners may be thinking, "Well, Annette Lyon, of course she has a following. You know, she's a publisher, <laughs> or Doctor Paul. You know, the shrink yeah. who expands your life." Well, we didn't yeah. just you know wake up one day mm-hmm. and say, "Well, we're going to go out there and have a following." No, it's, yeah, well, I'm my first my first book came out in 2002, and nobody knew who I was at that point. It took, mm-hmm. Even creating that following takes work. Absolutely. Know? So, yeah. And following those those steps, and so we've, I think we've had a good conversation about what some of those steps are. Mm-hmm. Identify your passion. There's a reason why you have the dreams and the desires and the passions that you have. Right. Absolutely. And that means something. So take it seriously. And... Start playing the game. Mm-hmm. As much as it terrifies you, get in. Yeah, and sometimes that means making a sacrifice or two. You know, I have a friend who was a, fabu- a fabulous seamstress, and she decided mm-hmm. that writing was more important, so she hung up her sewing machine. You know, mm-hmm. and I have friends who I, I watch very little television. 
but that's because I decided that writing is more important. I mean, I have to decide, well, there's my family. That's more important than anything. Mm-hmm. But then I have to decide what else can go. And because mm-hmm. I need to, I make, I have to make room for what's for my passion. And it's not that's going right. to be made room for unless I do it. And all of that other stuff may be important and it may be fun and you may have some reasons to do that too. But when you really engage in your passion and when you figure out how to bring that, it creates more value for more people. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, my own followers, my own readers, but even my own family. I mean, there's been times where mm-hmm. I, I remember there was about a four week, maybe a longer period where I couldn't get to my critique group for whatever reason, whether it was soccer games or a sick child or whatever. I've missed several weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, one of our children, I guess, was coming down with another fever. And I said, I guess I, I, I better stay home again. And my husband looked at me and he said, I need my wife back. Would you please go to critique group tonight? <laughs> go do your thing. <laughs> because he knows that when I, I, I invest in my passion and I hang around those people who are like me, mm-hmm. then I am a better person. I am a better mother. I'm a better wife. I, I am more my authentic self when I mm-hmm. invest in that. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you show up in all mm-hmm. of your relationships. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. So, so that's one of the points that I think we could underscore is that it's not just about you. Mm-hmm. It's not just about you getting what you want. Because when you engage at this level, you start to show up differently for the people in your family, for the people who mm-hmm. are closest to you, for all of those people who are following you who couldn't follow you if you didn't show up. Right. Yeah, there's no tribal leader if you don't show up. Who's going to lead your tribe, Annette? It's your tribe. And everyone has a tribe. I love that. I love that idea. Everyone has one. And it doesn't mean that you're some grand guru of something. It just means that you're showing up and sharing your gifts that nobody else can share for you. Right, because everybody has their own gifts. Absolutely, right. To withhold those means that you're not sharing them with the people who value them the most. Right, and you can benefit from them. Yeah. So we could really go deep here. That's really cool. You know, I like this idea. all the philosophy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, Annette, I would really love to get people pointed in the right direction to connect with you because some of the people who are listening are going to feel a connection to you just from sharing your story, mm-hmm. and they're going to want to read your books and just see what it is that you're doing out there. What's the best way for people to get connected with you? Oh, you can, they can go to my website, which is AnnetteLion.com. And from there, you can find my blog and all my books. And So you and, got links to everything there. Yeah, and even and including the charity that I'm working with that supports military families called the Flat Daddy Project. There's links there, oh, too. Oh, excellent. Yeah, okay, and that, that ties right into your last book, Band of Sisters. Right, exactly. And for those of you who are in military families, I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, but even if that context isn't isn't the same as you have in your own family, what we've talked about here in terms of networking and friendships, and especially with women, right? Oh, uh, I think powerful. this book will speak to them. I think so. <clears throat> so the website again is AnnetteLion.com, A-N-N-E-T-T-E, and then Lion, L-Y-O-N, with no S. Right. <laughs> no S. Did we get it? So AnnetteLion.com, right. Annette there's Annette only one lion, and it's spelled with a Y. Yeah. And uh, they can connect with, with everything else that you're doing through that website. Exactly, There's yep. links and, and contact information and all that. Yep. Contact. They can bother you. They you can, can email send me their critiques. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> they can love your stuff. They can hate your stuff can and find share my blog, it with you. All that good stuff. Yep. And Annette, thank you so much for being thank here you. at Live on Purpose Thanks, Radio Dr. Paul. today. Appreciate it. Everybody go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>